Welcome to the Westside Personalized Podcast, where real educators share their classroom-tested, learner-approved personalization practices. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion and are able to find a few valuable takeaways from the podcast. And so without further ado, let's go to the pod! All right, excited to start another episode of the Westside Personalized Podcast here today. Uh, I got a chance to visit with Dee Harrell, who uh, works in our CAPS program. Uh, we had an opportunity a few weeks ago to have you in for our personalized learning training, and uh, just excited to talk about the ways in which personalized learning kind of meets the initiatives that you are, are supporting our learners in that CAPS program, and kind of how that plays out there. And then you also, also run your own business. Do. Uh, and so we'll get a chance to kind of hear from that work perspective, that business outsider perspective a little bit and in the classroom. Cool. So thanks. Welcome. Thank you. Um, and I guess to start things off, yeah, let's get a little bit of your background. How did you, just your work history really leading up to being in this role? Okay. Well, I, I won't take up too much time because that's really Oh, big. take some time. I want to hear a little bit of the... Okay. Um, I'll give you the short version. You're like, so I was three I <laughs> when I first had it's aspirations. It's a long one. Um, okay, so we'll do, we'll do small chronological. We'll start okay. like 95 maybe. No. Um, so I'm from, I'm from Canada, from Toronto, right. and I went to school in Georgia on a volleyball scholarship and uh, met my future husband who played baseball there, and he's from here. He's from Omaha. He played okay. at Miller North. Um, again, long story short, he ended up playing pro ball for the Reds and, uh, we traveled quite a bit and after we got married, they didn't want to move back to Toronto and we ended up in Omaha temporarily to visit with his family and we've been here, what's today's date, May? So, uh, 18 years. So uh-huh. we, it, the temporary turned into a whole, like into adulthood. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I study history, fine arts, um, athletic training and art history. Um, so I double majored double minor and then went back to school after I had my kids and got a, a general with a health science and history concentration so that I can get my master's in health and wellness management at Nebraska Methodist College. Pretty like broad, eclectic. Yeah. Yeah. That's I'm, awesome though. You know, it's funny. I don't tend to, um, people never really gave me too much advice. Like when I went to school or got married or anything, no one really said, this is what you should do. You know, I, I think they kind of got that I kind of go to the beat of my own drum. So then I never really offered up too much advice. But one of the things that stuck with me was if you follow what you're really passionate about, it'll eventually resonate and, and which I did. And thankfully my parents never balked on that. So they, sure. they were like, yeah, you want to, you want to be a scientist and an artist and an entrepreneur? Absolutely. Go, mm-hmm. whatever. <laughs> Just call <laughs> right. us when you get there kind of thing. Yeah. So that's kind of what I did. And I started my doctorate in public health um, and epidemiology. Um, I felt it was, I love it. I'm, I'm really kind of addicted to like the disease and stuff and how to stop it and like I know it's a, <laughs> that's an interesting statement I'm really addicted I am, to I diseases I am like but that's Ebola. interesting sorry like, I'm just giving well you know in Ebola right I mean it's tragic there's a fascination with that sometimes absolutely. yeah absolutely and how do we find cures for that like you think about like penicillin or like the, the plague and like mm-hmm. scurvy I mean things <laughs> like who knew that oranges would sell you know like that, that's the kind of stuff I really I kind of dig like the, just the by chance, finding a cure mm-hmm. for a massive disease. So I went to school for that, but all along with my art background, I started with uh, advertising and I did production and I'm a producer and hair and makeup artist. And I worked full time for a local agency while I was going to school. And then I stopped when my kids were little, uh, really little, so I stayed with them and I went on my own and I've owned my own business since 2007. Okay. So producer, hair and makeup artist, um, independent contractor, 
and I work with local agencies and production houses and regional people, and I've done some really fun things. Um, I do a lot of commercial stuff, and I do, a, actually, one of my producer strengths is, uh, is our videos or documentaries about musicals and con live concert productions. Awesome. I appreciate you giving us kind of your backstory, and so where did all of that then lead to your interest in being part of the CAPS program? Well, I guess maybe we should say first, what is the CAPS program? Okay. This might be a good way to, se to segue then yeah. into your story too. So yeah. CAPS? CAPS is, um, stands for the Center for Advanced Professional Studies, and of which I'm the, technically, I'm the health science facilitator. I do dabble in the other strands as well with STEM and Emerging Technology Business Solutions. Uh, we have two other uh, part-time facilitators that oversee the seminar portion for those for those two strands. And what it is is we offer the students with an opportunity to take their interests and their passions in certain fields and explore different avenues of success. So we set them up with professional mentors, internships, job shadow opportunities, different certifications, and other education opportunities they would not normally get. Going like learn in a professional setting. Absolutely. Do you have, I'm going to put you on the spot here, yeah. I guess, approximately how many businesses would you say in our community have reached out or worked in collaboration with the CAPS program? A lot. Um, I, 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 oh, I'm going to get it wrong. It's like, it's okay. really high. It's like the hundreds and hundreds of them. Okay. Um, what do, yeah, so we're not just talking about 10 that we just contacted that are in the 600, neighborhood. 600. A bird just said 600 Okay. Ish. 600 ish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. It's awesome. It's awesome. Because then you have to take into account that it's not just that number. That that also represents the breadth of experiences mm -hmm. that they have the opportunity to tap mm -hmm. into, right? I mean, absolutely. I and I love it. You know, it's funny. When I was younger, you never know, really think. You know, you think that the adults, right, and the world that they lived in, and I think about my parents and my friends as parents. But now, I am that person. I am that parent. I am that the adult person. And it's yeah. funny to think about because I don't. I don't really feel it in the sense where I'm like feel disconnected to the students, but at the same time, it, these are my my friends and colleagues, and we all just want to get back. And it's really a cool place that we're in. And mm -hmm. um, it's funny because we really identify with these kids. And, and more times than not, you will hear people say, "If only I had this program when I was in school." Yes, always. I'm sure. Well, because I yeah. come from a really small town. We yeah. grew up in town about three thousand people, and so if you weren't going to be like you know running the drugstore mm -hmm. or working at the local restaurants or the school or holding public office, mm -hmm. I mean, there really were very limited. And as you said, like, who, who do you go to? Who do right. you, like, learn whether this is for you or not for you, mm -hmm. but maybe in some instances. And so to have those opportunities at such a young age to be able to really find out and talk to those uh, individuals. I, yeah, we talked earlier. I, I started in architectural engineering. Yeah. And it wasn't until I actually met some architects. <laughs> so, ah, yeah, I don't know. This is... I do like that education thing, though. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so it's interesting that they're able to have those moments. Absolutely. So, um, I'll ask you, too, then, uh, as a parent, mm -hmm. right, because I come from that place a lot yeah. myself. And now, having gone through a personalized learning training, yes. I don't know, how do you feel about personalized learning as an initiative and CAPS and, and these opportunities that we're affording our students within our district? I love it. I do. I love it. And I, I communicated this to you before, but I feel... Um, one of the reasons I was offered the position I have is because of my innate drive for personalized learning for myself and how I feel it necessary to, I guess, maybe heighten that in students. And they may not have that opportunity elsewhere. And I think it being infused into the curriculum for these teachers and the students is an amazing thing. Because as an artist, I just feel sometimes when things are creatively stunted, I guess. 
like they keep re remaking movies from the 80s or they keep you know right. they, and i feel by reintroducing personalized learning to these students because i feel like we weren't taught that right it was more part of our culture because we weren't afforded some of the technological advances that our students have now which is a blessing and a curse in the same right right mm -hmm. we wouldn't have had it if it weren't for the people are you know or my age at least i'm older so people my age um having to think of how am i going to make this easier or how am i going to innovate the situation to make it a lot more efficient and so i'm thankful for the time that i grew up in because we that's just how we we learned very individualized because we, we had no other option and now we are allowing our kids to have a space where we're utilizing technology and we're utilizing all of the great advancements but perhaps we're losing that piece of innovation or creative thought in in every facet not just in creative subjects and so i think personalized learning piece really awakens that in the teachers and mm -hmm. the and the environment and the culture and then therefore infusing it into the actual learning space for the kids and i think that's huge it's a struggle i think for us to think about how do we light that fire again and i think this is exactly how we do it because we give them a purpose for the things that they're learning rather than making them feel like they're just learning it because they have to right so i think that's what personalized learning is for me i think that's fair and as a parent that's a really big thing for me for my kids to understand and i think too uh, good educators for years have, have wanted and valued the things that you're talking about mm -hmm. and have made a concerted effort to try to implement things Absolutely. of that nature, but to really be able to articulate the subtleties of what it would look like to move to that, or if you are if you already are doing some of those things, how to extend that, mm -hmm. uh, I think is just that intentionality that we've sort of brought. Yes, um, I love that It's just heightened it mm -hmm. uh, from what... Uh, because I think we could, would all think back probably to our, our formative education and go, there was this one teacher and the scenarios, and they were probably pretty personalized type activities, uh -huh. but to do that on, on a consistent basis and right. uh, with a lot of depth is just really cool. And I know the CAPS program and the experience of students having here yeah. certainly fosters a lot of those same things. Mm -hmm. And so uh, what does it look like then? So now we know the title, mm -hmm. we know kind of what it's about and the, and the all hands on deck that are in here uh -huh. working with our students. Can you talk a little bit about the student experience and yeah, what you kind of ask of them and how they function sure. in, in the once they join the class. Yeah. I guess. So we have students in our program from ninth through twelfth grade. Uh, we really only get to see them uh, starting junior year. Uh, the health science kids in ninth and tenth grade they get to do summer camps at the hospitals, which is fantastic. Uh, but unfortunately, because of the course load and their uh, restrictions for leaving campus and whatnot, it's it's harder for us to actually work with them until they get to junior year. So then when they get here in junior year, we still only see them once a week. And so I try to pack in a lot of the overview of the professional stuff and start to touch on those things, industry things, introduce them to different, like just little bits in here and there of each industry that we represent or that we work with. And so that they can maybe have a, a different kind of viewpoint uh, coming into like senior year or seminar. So in junior year, like I said, it's like professional soft skills. We start their professional portfolios. So you're talking about resumes and interviews and uh, appropriateness, I guess, mm -hmm. and then different cultures in the workplace. So when we go on different site visits, they get to see, you know, we go from like a really big open mod space to like a really closed door, very conventional run law firm or business or, yeah. you know, so we, we, we try to expose them to different areas of each industry, even talking hospital wise, the cancer center, the Buffett Cancer Center looks so different from the rest of UNMC and then there's children's and then there's Methodist. So we like them to see the different 
physical environments and then so that they get an understanding for sometimes it's not just about the actual subject or the career path that you want a lot of the things that we do with our lives and our careers has to do with the physical space we choose to put ourselves in yeah and whatever you choose is good whatever gets you going mm -hmm. and excited works and and they're the only ones who can really say you know right just and that, it, is, that is something i know personally has learned that we value mm -hmm. right is to say you know some people it is in their own best interest to work independently mm -hmm. and to kind of isolate themselves a little bit. So maybe there's, when you're talking about the law firms, I've been in enough to know that, yeah, I need my office, my space, my, right. to put my head down and be able to get this done, where other think tanks, a place like Gallup kind of comes to mind. Some of those rooms are so interactive. Yes. Um, the furniture allows for such great dialogue and collaboration. Mm -hmm. Uh, as does the space in here. Absolutely. Um, so uh, you were, I'm sure, involved in this whole process, right? Yes. Yes. Thankfully, I was together. really excited because they moved. My first year was our first year in this space, mm -hmm. and so that was really fun. I got I got really excited about helping to figure out what kind of furniture, what kind of colors, what kind of like textures and, and whatnot we wanted to have in here, just to have different little vignettes for the kids to kind of focus on. But yeah, it was really fun. Well, can you talk about some of the those individual spaces within this space? Because mm -hmm. uh, as if anyone enters this room, you start to there's just an array of furniture, and you can tell there's little alcoves mm -hmm. and, and nooks like we're seated in right now mm -hmm. in the midst of it. Um, so, what was kind of the intentionality? They use that word again, I sure. guess, yeah. of uh, the design behind these different areas. So it was important for us to first choose furniture that was modular that we can move and create spaces however we wanted them to. And the day-to-day -day space setup that we chose to do did lend itself to different group breakouts, which is ironic because honestly, more times than not, by the end of the year, which I kind of love, the kids want to stay together and we find them all around the table, which is kind of cool. But we allow them to have different areas where they can break out. So like a table over here, we don't have one now, but we often have a puzzle over there so that if they want to kind of just refocus and if they had finished all their work they need to and they just come back or even if they sometimes they come in when they don't have anything going on and they're just open for a mod and they'll just come and work on the puzzle or you know we well they started painting it uh we have the gratitude tree uh where the kids are you know when you're thinking for something you put it we have these laminated leaves and they can write on it and put it up in the tree and so that's a project that's coming about, but it's also, it's funny because it's also surrounded by a workspace. The, the you know, the, the flip up tables that are around it uh, lend itself more for the kids to just plug in and just get their work done, which I, I kind of like that little just, juxtaposition. But yeah. so then we have the, you know, the futons around the couch. Um, and a lot of times we have kids that will kind of congregate there when they have to do like a group, a smaller group project, or if they need the TV, like the ACE kids, when they were doing their project, they kind of use, utilize the TV to practice their presentation. We can open up the space. We've done yoga and Pilates in this maze. <laughs> And we do a lot of moving around kind of activities, kind of bonding things. So it was really important to be able to break it out. And then we have our workspace, our do space, Lee's do space, which sometimes it gets really loud. So we're still trying to figure out how we're going to help that. Because um, we do like to be in space when they're working. But it's, sometimes it's just we can't because it's so loud. So we just want to kind of try to help. But it's so much fun over there. I'm still working. It's, I was hoping I'd be done. But I mean... I often, my stomach is often bigger than, you know, one of those things. I was sure. like, no, I'll be done. But so we still have some leftover wood from the Oakdale project. And so when we, we made the Oakdale desk for the media center, we had a big, 
bowl left over or big like a uh it was one of the beans the stand beans and he told me i can take it and i'm, I'm making a caps totem pole carving oh, it out of it um and so that was that's a big work in progress hopefully the next time you and i meet it'll be done <laughs> that's kind of one of my summer projects though yeah. and then in the back room it's quiet that's kind of our administrative room conference room feel, the conference room feel. Mm -hmm. it's softer it's got carpet it's, and we can close it off and so it's kind of uh we have every little kind of room you could want in here and that mm -hmm. was important so that we could it could mimic or become whatever we wanted to see. Yeah, so the flexibility yeah. to like manipulate those as, as needed. Yeah. So, okay, now we know the businesses that are connected. Mm -hmm. We know a little bit about the like space. What mm -hmm. would, if I were to say coursework mm -hmm. to you, like what does that look like? Right. Caps? Let's be and real. I'm sure that it's very, it's this that's the personalized piece in a it lot of It is the regards. personalized piece. So just for those that are watching yeah. or listening into this, like that, this is where this will tie back into okay. to our uh, podcast, I think, as yeah. a theme. So yeah, go ahead. And okay, so the coursework part of it is kind of what I get jazzed about. That I, I kind of give myself a general thing, things I know I need for them to accomplish and then figure out ways on how I'm going to get that come at it at different angles. So Can you give me an example? Sure. Just like one? Sure. So, um... Well, I mean, well, this is public speaking one that you and I talked about. We tried, there's certain yeah. skills we try to make sure that they, we try to have them practice. So mm -hmm. the elevator pitch, you know, the whole thing about trying to talk about themselves, but we take it a little further, allowing them the space to give them a voice, you know, feel okay with hearing their voice and, and advocating appropriately. And so that was kind of part of the public speaking thing too. And so it serves like multi-purpose, you know, mm -hmm. and, and sometimes they don't even know what we're doing. Sometimes I'm just like, you know, they need to know this skill for this, this, and this, but they also need it for the interview or even talking as a parent, talking as an advocate for their child much later on. So sure. there's things that we just try to kind of get them comfortable. So uh, yeah. I think that would be an example yes. too of... When we talk voice and choice in our training, yes, we that's focus, the yeah. We focus primarily on voice as a, a feedback mechanism, and, and voice, honestly, even being a nonverbal and the choices that a student makes, or you know, it could be written feedback. But mm -hmm. but that's that's really the lens through which we discuss it. But but voice also has that component in that. How how are you supporting learners in the development of their ability to advocate for themselves right. to like express themselves as well to an audience that's larger than just your classroom mm -hmm. or, or uh, sometimes it's just that, hey, this is for my teacher. Yes. Uh, and so I think that uh, in those instances, you're developing those skills and then giving them a chance to apply those in a real world context. You're right. And that's, and that, I find that that's something we, I struggle with too, is that sometimes I, I will throw things in there and challenge them to see if they're actually going to challenge me on it, knowing that what they should be saying is, that was terrible, Dee. Why would you show us that? That's a terrible example of what you're, you know, and, and purposely and seeing if they would actually do it because I, I want them to feel comfortable in this space where just because I'm like an authority figure doesn't mean I'm, I'm going to be right at all times. Yeah. And you can appropriately bring that up. And, and how do you communicate that? And that's a big one. It's, you know, it kind of goes with us teaching them how to receive criticism or feedback, yep. how to give it. And then how to grow from it because, mm -hmm. you know, we only look at ourselves in a certain way and the people who love us only look at us in a certain way. So it, it, we, we actually really need that unbiased, like non, just confrontational, but, no, but, but it's honest, on, very honest. And, yeah. you, and you, we want them to feel comfortable being able to receive that instead of taking it personally, use it as a mechanism or use it as a platform in which to grow from. And so that's an important one. But yeah, I will try to do things like that. I'll try to do 
real world examples where I, I know as in the classroom space, their heads would be like, no, I guess well, I have to listen to her. She's the teacher. I'm going to have to do yeah. this because she's the teacher, you know, or she's the adult, which I appreciate. But then to take it a little bit further, it's like, but the age doesn't make you wrong. Right. You know, and I, and I want them to know that. I want them to mm-hmm. feel individuals that have the voice that matters. Mm-hmm. And so. Well, I would say too, in that it's important to model that as an adult so that they don't grow up expecting that just the age validates in the Correct. same way. It causes you to be a critical thinker mm-hmm. because if you just accept that somebody tells you all the time, then are you really thinking deeply about something right. if you're not able to invest in a dialogue about it? That benefits the immediate culture at that moment, but mm-hmm. it also models a behavior for the future that I think is beneficial right. to, to have and experience it. Right. And then that's kind of where we bring them all together because we do have three different strands. And when I say three different strands, it doesn't mean three different careers. There's like a jillion careers in those three straight lives all of it so it's kind of a way to bring it back and that also works in with the strengths like gallup strengths so myself don and kathy are gallup strengths certified coaches and so and we do the strengths with the kids right in the beginning and then we also do the builder profile 10 with them and we try to use that as a universal language as well since there are so many different careers and different interests and different things that we keep introducing them to that they're interested in the strength is one way for us to come back and be like, you can apply these in any mm-hmm. way. And and how does it look in this industry? How do you feel like this strength plays out in, you know, in a hospital setting? How do you think it plays out in a, you know, tech side of things? And so it's, it's a really nice way to be able to bring them back together, even though all of their interests are so broad. Sure. So is the experience then as a student, you come in and you say... You know, if I'm Johnny, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I'm interested in medicine yeah. or I come in and say I'm interested in graphic design. And so once they commit to those kind of early, then you look at those through the lens of public speaking and some of the, you take a Gallup Strengths Finder, mm-hmm. find out like if the, your attributes really li- align with that as a potential future career. Well, you know, we actually or just kind of meet, I guess. Well, we actually try to have them own it a little bit more. So we have entrance interviews okay. and exit. So our onboarding is kind of very businessy. So we, we want them to be used to some of the, the expectations for if they went through an HR department or if mm-hmm. they, you know, we want to start introducing them into those kinds of things so that they understand that that actually happens. And how like, do why they, are you right for this position? Kind correct. Of questions? Okay. And then how do you sell yourself in that, in that space? And so instead of asking, you know, why, are, how do you feel like you will fit in this environment or how do you think you're good for this position? It's mm-hmm. more so tell me what you're interested in. What, how do you see, where do you see yourself? Do you see yourself studying you know, for your college, going on blah, blah, blah? Or do you see yourself doing a trade? Do you see yourself more as a, but we don't lead. We just let them. And then we kind of take what they say to us in that beginning. And we use that to kind of steer us in directions of where we want to expose them to. Right. And then we have a midway check-in. And then more times than not, literally, I've had students that were like, I'm going to be a nurse, I'm going to be a nurse. I'm, no, I'm going to be a teacher. And then from there, I want to be a animal therapist or then a vet, I want to go to vet school. And then I want to be a radiologist. And now I want to go to see, I don't know what I want to be. Yeah. Now I want to be in business. Like, and that's span of seven months, you know, and I love that. It's like, by all so means. I was going to say, it's got to be a little bit right up your alley, Absolutely. right? With the, like experiences Absolutely. that you've had. And, and I think that you learn to be innovative by understanding a variety of contexts mm-hmm. so that when you suddenly get in one vein that typically people don't have that other, you know, 
valuable mm-hmm. life, I would say experience again, that you find ways to interject that back into uh-huh. a, a, in a place where it's not usually represented, and that's where new ideas come from. Yes. And then even the new ideas and things that have been there like steadfast for a long time. I and there's not, I, I don't envy a lot and I don't regret a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I do I have to say there are times where I'm like it, it was more of a I guess it's it's kind of a, a pull because my dad my dad worked at the same place for fifty years, you know. He's an agriculture engineer, you know, came from the Philippines and he was like the tobacco guy at, from the, the cigarette company. He was there for fifty years and he treated him from a work standpoint, they, he satisfied everything. He, yeah. he had purpose every day. He loved the job, loved the people, and they loved him back. And it was, but to me, I, I mean, 50, 50 years in the same place is really hard concept for me because I'm, I have so many interests in different places. Mm-hmm. And, um, and neither one of them is wrong. And that's kind of where I come in with the kids, too. It's like, yeah, if you know what you want to be, because there are some people who absolutely know where they want to go. Yeah. And they're totally born for it, and they want it, and they... By all means, here's all the opportunities mm-hmm. you can have to get you to where you want to be and go. And then you have ones that are just so confused on what they want. They're so interested in so many things, and yet they have no idea on how to or what to do with all of those interests. Sure. Or even to get started. Right. You know, maybe right. they'll never know. No. <laughs> right. But at and least, that's okay. Least, yeah. And that's exactly. part of it, too. It's like, even if that's the only thing that they learn, is that it is okay to not always know or to not always be okay and to pre-plan the next 50 years of your life it's okay there's a yeah 16 you know one of my favorite ted talks is about um multi-potential lights and i show all of my students it and it was sent to me by my former boss who's a great friend of mine he's like dude this is this is totally you and and he's just like <laughs> you got me interested too because I, I feel like i, would be I think you're a multi-potential like absolutely and it's such a cool word yeah, yeah it is. i want to put that on like a name placard or right. something <laughs> it's so cool because the, this this ted talk you, oh you're just gonna i and I, I get chills thinking about it because she she really does a great job at like going inward and being like what is wrong with me why am i not okay i'm have a great job i've got a great this this and this and like why do i want to move on you know it's because like you conquer one thing and then you just want to keep on going sure. and and but the, the best part about that is you know you can mm-hmm. and i said that to the kids it's like the best part is like it's not i know it's scary and change sometimes isn't really yeah. easy but the best part is knowing is that you can actually go do it mm-hmm. and why not you already have the skill that you can fall back on. You get excited just thinking right? about all this stuff. Um, so two points. Um, as I've kind of listened in there, they're, they're striking a chord with me. I've been thinking a lot about risk. I mm-hmm. logged on it about two weeks ago. And uh, I think I've arrived at a place for me. And I don't know has to agree with it. But uh, I don't know. Sometimes I think we think of certain individuals as being risk takers and others as not. Right. And, and I'd like to think of it more in terms of, or I'm growing to a place where I'm thinking it more in terms of, you have people who have a richer risk history. Mm-hmm. Than people than other people. I think everyone has the potential to be uh, to take risks. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of what has been your previous experience with understanding that process and being comfortable with it and being open instead of like closed off, right? Yeah. Like to experiencing that again. Yes. Uh, and so I think that that's a really big piece that mm-hmm. in personalized learning and in life, right? Those are yeah. uh, we try to create those opportunities in, a, in an educational setting with personalized learning, so we can start to yeah to enrich that risk history that yeah. also was like a safe twister. Risk, <laughs> yes yeah right yeah. but but just get it started you gotta yeah. start to foster that mm-hmm. uh and then as you're talking too just to kind of hit back with the elements 
obviously you know your learner, right? Mm-hmm. If you know that like, well, this person has picked seven careers yeah. in the last four yeah. months yeah. versus somebody who is just new from, you know, age 10 or yeah. whatever, what they wanted to do and they can articulate to you the path that they, they have a vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then the data piece within whether it be Gallup uh, or some of the other pieces that, mm-hmm. that you have to sort of start to support those uh, directions or yes. assumptions that they have mm-hmm. uh, and eventually leads to a place where you start to make choices, which I'm sure is the job shadowing is what projects you're going to take on is the companies you maybe you're going to work right. In, yes, in absolutely. You're, you're absolutely right. And it's, it's, it becomes like, so I love that we're doing this at the end of the year. I do. It, I don't know how the rest of the teachers do this. I am way too emotional and I bawled my eyes out at graduation <laughs> and I was fully prepared to ball again on Sunday. I see it. I, I, I had no idea how hard it was going to be. Well, your me. kiddos are in high school, right? My kids are in high school. My so actual next kids. next year you're going to have one? Bodie will be, he'll be junior. And then, okay. so I have two more years, two more until, years until you really have a meltdown. Correct. What's going to happen then? <laughs> like these are like, so then I'm just like, that's a piece where I, I've always had an appreciation for teachers. I really, um, there's a lot of careers that I've always, I very, I'm, I'm a big advocate for and a supporter. And typically the, the ones that are, I feel as a parent are sharing in the responsibilities of the parenthood aspect. Yeah. Um, and I really do feel that. I feel like my, the, the teachers are, are surrogate parents to my kids, mm-hmm. as well as the coaches and any other adults that are there to help teach them and help them grow into these amazing people, right? And yeah. So they, they automatically get my respect in that regard because they're actually helping me do my job. And so that's a big deal to me. And so to be put in that position, myself it's hard it's a responsibility it yeah. is and it's not you know coming from the business and the art and the the health science side of things coming into this is now my i'm almost done my second year i feel uh, it, it's i want to know more about how you how teachers do certain things because mm-hmm. part of me is like I, I i find myself asking questions about how do you keep up and how do you manage some things and um even as busy as my course load is it's never far from my mind on how many students other teachers have to actually come in contact with yeah you know and that's a lot and and it's not just students it's the the parents that come along with it and whether their perspective of the relationship is shared as mine is or not there's still that piece of like okay, well, man alive, like <laughs> they have so yeah. much on their plate, you know? And so, um, I admire, I admire the, um, the skills that I get to, I witness in my colleagues and, and seeing how they arm those relationships with those students in, in a special way, because to be able to do that with that many students, I, I mean, it's easy for me, right? Yeah. I do have a lot of students, but I get them a lot and, and I get to be me with yeah. them. Whereas some teachers don't get to be themselves that much yeah. with the students. And to be able to do that through personalized learning is awesome. And the kids, they love it. It really is impactful. They feel special. And mm-hmm. to be able to make a kid of hundreds feel special in the day that you get to see them, is that's enough. And I think the personalized learning piece is literally what's doing that from these. And I just, I love it. I do. And it's... It's a comment that is regularly shared with me as I do podcasts like this, that those relationships are so much richer because you're not tied to the front the entire time and you're able to actually go out, understand students on a deeper level. And whenever you get that, they appreciate that, that they get 
that you get them mm-hmm. at a time in life when they're looking for an adult that understands Absolutely. in any capacity, Absolutely. right? To kind of to your point. Uh, and so, like it or not, you are a role model, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and carry the responsibility of doing right by that. Absolutely. Um, that honesty that they'll share with you and, and um, that there's that and that academic piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm totally with you. There's a time where I had 151 students at a time. And, you know, when you're grading papers and it's just like, but, uh, but it is. So I'm sure everyone that's a teacher listening is like, thanks, Dee. Absolutely. Thank, thank you for oh coming from the business world and appreciating teachers. Absolutely. Um, I'm that way too, so yeah. I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like we've covered, knowing your learner, we've covered data, mm-hmm. we've covered voice and choice. Mm-hmm. We talked about the flexibility of the space. Mm-hmm. You mentioned tech a little bit you earlier. Did. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just close with one last question sure. that I really just kind of came uh, to me as we were, I was sitting here listening to your last response. And I've always felt, so I'll just let you like agree or disagree with this, that there's a certain uh, reciprocity between my life away from education, mm-hmm. um, whether it be in raising my own children or just the things that I'm invested in socially or as hobbies, uh, and what I'm able to do in working with students and, and as a teacher or in this role mm-hmm. uh, at work. And it's, it's interesting sometimes when those lessons from one pays a dividend in the other context. Mm-hmm. And so... Do you experience any of that, or um, what is that kind of like? How does it hit your brain? I guess on um, a daily basis, absolutely hits me. Oddly enough, I honestly think that you just summed up kind of how I maneuver through my world. I, okay. I allow things to, and it's a really hard one. My God, love my parents. As I get older, I swear. <laughs> you think about like the stress yeah. that I might have put on them by leading my life that way, but they're just amazing, and so. I let things happen organically. I fully believe that the things that we choose to do in our lives and the people we surround ourselves with are big players in that. And we have to acknowledge and pay tribute in a way that makes that cycle kind of happen. And and, and it is reciprocal, right? So you just, CAPS is perfect in that. We get to take some businesses that want to help these students with their learning and then in turn want to have keep the talent in town and and build the community and keep the community of omaha the way that it is and so it becomes this amazing cycle and people become invested not just in their education but they become invested in the partnerships that we have in this town but then they become invested in the community in the relationship their, their relationship those, those contexts and yeah. then they want this is their home they start to actually be able to feel what home actually really feels like. And it doesn't necessarily, some can go abroad, but they can bring that feeling with them. And I think that's kind of more so what it is. It's like, how do you shape every experience that you have and get and praise it, good or bad, right? You have, yes. the choices we make at any given time are the right choices for us at that moment. And we can't look back on them and, and question them because if we wanted it to go the other way, we would have chosen differently, yeah. right? So in how do we let those kids let go of some of that, stuff that holds them back from going full circle, right? And yeah. so just allow them to, to grow in a safe way. And that's kind of how I, like, okay, well, I'm interested in that. I might as well just kind of see what that looks like and then come mm-hmm. back around. Because you can always come back around. I really like that word. I should use that for like the term <laughs> next year. But it is. Well, I, I'm it glad to share one back. You, right? you shared the word earlier. Help me one more time. Multi-potentialite. There you go. I, mean, I can't. Ca- it's not mine. Dropping knowledge. You have to look at that TED Talk. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm going to. Absolutely. This. So but yeah. So, well, 
Thanks for uh, sharing your perspective today. I've, this has been a fantastic conversation. It has. I, I love this. I can't believe I, But I am thankful we did it at the end of the year. It's a yeah. great. It's a reflective time. It is. Season. It is. And, yeah. and, yeah, I love it. It feels it's really good. true to that, too. It so does. It's good. It's good. So, um, gosh, after this, we'll have to have you back next year. Please. Sometime. Anytime. I will, you're right. But that was yeah, I know. The same building. That's good. Whatever. I'll fill whatever space. Awesome. Thanks, Lee. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap on another great episode. For more information or to contact us directly, you can email our team at personalized.learning at westside66.net. As always, thanks for tuning in and learning from the Westside Personalized Podcast.